listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, guitar tools, guitar toys, guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. Yes, indeed. You didn't say it, so I had to. <laughs> Okay. This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener submitted emails. I will read the question and Eric will try to answer them. I don't even know why I say yes indeed at the beginning of every episode. It's kind of dumb. No. No? It's your catchphrase. I don't that's a catchphrase. I think people will see you on the street in 10 years and go, "Yes indeed." You know what happened? I went to do a podcast. I had the idea for the Fret Files podcast. And I locked myself in a closet with beads of sweat and I'm coming down my, (laughs) streaming down my face and a microphone and a laptop computer. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I just hit record and I did not have a script. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have, I don't even think I had a sheet of paper with anything in front of me. I had an idea of what I was going to say in my mind, but it was like just a general idea, you know, I hit record and that's just what came out of my mouth. (laughs) I just said yes, indeed, and I don't. I know I don't normally say that much. I don't know where that came from. Well, I think it's your catchphrase. Anyhow, uh, we've got a lot of good questions. Questions about stripped out pick guard screws, lacquer checking, uh, vintage K electric guitars. 60 cycle hum and what to do about it. A lot of good questions. We also have a voicemail we'll take. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's on my bench? That's kind of what I've been doing lately here at the beginning of the show. What's on your bench? I've been working on a national tricone. A resonator? Uh-huh. Cool. And uh, it needed a neck reset. How do you reset the neck on a metal it's, guitar? Yeah, they're different. They don't have a dovetail joint like a traditional guitar. It's almost like a banjo neck. Where it has a long stick that goes all the way to the end block. All the way through the guitar, it has a long stick. Wow. Yeah, so you have to take the thing apart, take off the the cover and the cones and everything, and there's a whole bunch of screws, and then there's a few shims, and it's all glued in there kind of with these weird wood supports that uh, push up against the stick from the back of the guitar and 
on the on the long stick and the stick is screwed into the top and it's also it has a screw from the strap button wow yeah it's a crazy deal oh and there's five screws going into the fingerboard that are covered by uh dot inlays oh you know wow so you have to take those out you have to drill those out and then take the screws out there's a whole bunch of screws and then once you get it all loose the neck just slides out and this like you know long stick comes out and you have to basically take kind of a wedge off of that long stick so that you can kick the neck back a little bit well wow. cuz the angle it had come too far forward it was leaning in you know it was collapsing right. in on itself and you have to well yeah and then you have to do the traditional thing where you shape the heel so that everything works together right kind of a technical deal wow yeah i've done a bunch of those they're kind of fun really it's i like them because um once you can do them in a day like you're not like with a normal neck reset you you steam the neck off uh-huh and then I like to let them sit because now they're all steamed oh, and the yeah. wood has swollen a little bit and it's a little wet and it's like, okay, you steam the neck off and you let it sit for at least a day. Right. And then you do all the shaping. Right. And then you glue it and then that has to sit for at least a day. So it's at least, at minimum, a three-day process. Right. With this tricone, I did it all in one day because you don't have to wait for a bunch of hide glue to dry. Cool. Yeah. What yeah, else? so that was fun. What else are you working on? A bunch of pickup rewinds. I rewound a weird Hagstrom pickup today. Uh, man, it was a real... It really was a challenge because I made my own pickup winder. Right. And it really only winds one direction. It's just a an old... It's a Granger electric motor that I turned into a pickup winder. And it only winds one direction. Most commercially made pickup winders have like an axle, and then it, you can either you can use one side or the other of the pickup winder to get oh. opposite winds. Sure. Well, to do a reverse wound pickup, what I do is I just flip the pickup around. But not every pickup can be flipped around. Almost every pickup can. I mean, you can flip around a fender pickup. You can flip around. A P90, you can flip around a humbucker bobbin, you can flip around almost anything. Right. Except this Hagstrom pickup. It's the first time I've ever had to rewind a pickup where I couldn't just wind it backwards. So how did you do it? Well, I thought about that for a while. And I didn't want to do it. But what I ended up doing was mounting it to my hand drill <laughs> and winding it on my drill just by hand guiding the wire it was a real tedious process took took two or three that probably took three times as long as a normal pickup rewind so you had one take. hand on the trigger on the drill oh yeah on the trigger of the drill holding it steady that's correct the other hand was mm -hmm. guiding my the wire my thumb hurts yeah so one hand on my uh, battery powered cordless electric drill wow and the other, the other hand guiding wire. And it was 44-gauge wire, very, very thin wire that... Did you break very it a delicate. bunch of times? I did not break it, and I, and I had no... So normally, when I rewind a pickup, I have a little... Um, I have a little bar with two guides that have thumb screws on them that you can move them right. to guide the wire so that you can kind of set 
like the, boundaries, the, the parameters of where the yeah of where the wire goes. Okay, couldn't do that here, so I just had to. Um, I set it on my bench, and I've got a, I've got a giant, um, like gooseneck magnifying glass with a light uh-huh. that I put in front of it, and just took a real, real good look at that coil, and just wound it by hand, just free freehand. It was fun. Wow. But the light was reflecting off of the bright copper wire. And blinding in you? In flashes. Oh, no. Yeah, I just about gave myself a seizure. <laughs> yeah, the pickup is going to sound great, but now I have epilepsy. <laughs> um, but that was fun. That was kind of a fun... You know, sometimes you have to think out of the box. It's the first time I've rewound a pickup and not used a pickup winder. Well... Th- People are impressed. I'm impressed. Well, you don't have to be impressed. It's kind of a, it's actually kind of a bonehead way to do it, but it worked and it worked great. So it just took longer. That's all. Listen up, people. If you can't afford a pickup winder, just get a drill. Yeah. That would be a real pain in the rear end to do that all the time. Like I say, I'm, I mean, I always use my pickup winder, but this is the first, I mean, out of thousands of pickups I've wound, this is the first time that I've ever had to punt and not use my pickup winder. Well. Yeah. Anyway. So that was the Hagstrom pickup. That was fun. What else am I working on? Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of stuff that's just not re- really worth mentioning, you know, just yeah. bridge reglues and just average things. Oh, I made some pickups for a guy. So this guy bought a Warwick bass. Okay. Really a pretty nice bass. I think it was one of the Korean ones, but still a nice bass. And a five-string, okay. semi-hollow body, like a 335 shape, you know, 335 looking uh-huh. black five-string bass. Problem is, it had four-string pickups. So the pickups have four pole pieces that in no way line up with the five strings on the bass. Right. So you play the bass, and some strings are loud, and some strings you can barely hear. It was a big problem. So he called Warwick and said, "Uh, excuse me, my bass has a large problem. (laughs) And he sent them, emailed them pictures, and they said, well, that's very... Very interesting, Mr. Customer. I don't know if it left the factory that way or, you know, do you have your receipt? And he said, well, I bought it used. Uh Uh-oh. And they said, have a nice day. Well, that stinks. So what did you do for this guy? But can you blame him? Can you blame Warwick? Because, I mean, it's a used base. Yeah, but at least say, hey, well, we can sell you a set of those pickups. Oh, but they're very expensive. Oh. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So, um, yeah, they offered to sell him, I think, a set of pickups, you know, for retail. And he didn't want those anyway. So the only thing, I, because they're a weird size, it's this giant rectangular pickup. The only thing I could think was, well, we need to custom make a set of pickups here. Cool. So I made basically giant. The closest thing I could... uh compare them to would be a Jazzmaster pickup. Wow. Yeah. Except I used quarter-inch pole pieces instead of the smaller Fender-style pole pieces. Uh-huh. So quarter-inch Alnico rods with the the phenolic, you know, bo- bobbins. 
Uh-huh. And then I made a plexiglass cover to go over top of it, but I painted the back gold. Oh, cool. You know, like a, a you know, on the, like the gold colored Rickenbacker pit guards and truss rod covers, uh, how they have that. It's just a really mild satiny gold. It's not a shiny right. it's gold, got... gold. It's not like a gold hardware gold. It's a very subtle. Like a pearlescent gold. Yeah, a very subtle silky gold color. Anyway, it turned out really nice. There's pictures of it on my Instagram feed. Whoa. We're really in the future now. (laughs) We're really in the 90s now. So uh, Instagram, what is my Instagram feed? Uh, At Eric Daw Custom Guitars. Wow, it's almost like I do this for a living. Yeah, I figured out how to run Instagram on on a desktop computer. So even though I don't have a smartphone, I do have an Instagram. We have a call. Shall we? Uh, shall we take a call? Let's take it. Oh yeah. Hey Eric, this is uh, Peter Meyer, a fellow repairman, calling you from uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts. And um, I was just listening to the latest um, episode, and you were talking about that old—I um, think it was a Harmony or something like that—plywood. Uh, and I was working with this beautiful old um, parlor guitar from Vega, which is actually made in Boston probably in 1920. Um, and I was having the, the bridge plate had was coming loose, mostly loose. And there's one place I couldn't quite get loose. And then you were saying, you just happened to mention steam. And I said, right, steam. I got it. So what I did was is I... Got some water and I put some meat tenderizer in it, which is a cool trick that I learned about, you know, removing a high glue, like doing for one neck resets and that sort of thing. Um, anyway, I went right, bingo, and stuck some of that in there. You put a hot knife in there and it popped. So you quickened my mind and thank you. So I just wanted to tell you and it's, uh, really fun listening to you guys and, uh, Melissa's a blast too. So, um, thanks again. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Thanks, Peter. I'm glad. I'm glad. I gave him an idea, and then he used it. How do you like that? I don't understand the what. What does the meat tenderizer do? Oh well, that's the other thing I was gonna say. So, uh, he listened to me, and I, uh, I helped him, and. Then he mentioned something that I had never heard of, and he helped me. I have never heard of this, but I looked it up. Some people use meat tenderizer to remove hide glue. They mix it in with the water when they make their steam. All meat tenderizer is, is it breaks down proteins. And hide glue is just made from the hide of, I mean, it's... It's made from animals. Yeah, it's meat. I mean, you know, it's, but it's just gelatin. It's isn't gelatin. It? It's yeah. gelatin, and so uh, meat. The meat tenderizer helps break down the protein. Wow. So t- how about that? What What is meat? Is it like what's the chemical? Well, I'm not a chemist. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't it. know, but it breaks down the proteins. But you can go to this grocery store and buy meat tenderizer. Well, I assume so. I just have never. Again, I didn't know about this. I'm. I. I. I 
did not know about this, and I looked it up, and and apparently some people use meat tenderizer. Because to me... To break down hide glue to loosen up the joint. Right. To me, a meat tenderizer is like a mallet with these spiky things on the end. Have you ever seen one of those? Right, and, and you pound it and go, bam, like steak. Emerald, Emerald Lagasse. <laughs> right. Bam! You just beat your steak until it's nice and tender. That's When I was a kid, that's what my mom used. I've never Whoa. heard of chemical meat tenderizer before. Okay. Sorry, but I'm glad that worked. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for the tip. That was That's cool. Yeah. I had never heard of that. I don't know if I've... You know, with enough steam... You can uh, you can loosen the joint. Here's my concern: if I'm doing a, like a like a neck reset, uh-huh. I don't want to um, uh, what I don't want to um, contaminate the area with a uh, meat tenderizer because I'm going to be using hide glue again. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't. I that concerns me a little bit. I don't know if it does it like flashes evaporate? off or yeah evaporates yeah. or I don't know. Anyway, it's something to think about. I it I thought it was fascinating. Great, cool, Peter. Thanks for the call. Let's read some questions. Letters, we get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Finally, I have a question. Th- not me. This guy. I have a 1961 SG Special that's a player. It's seen some action in its life, mostly before I got it. Anyway, the pickguard is warping, always been a bit wavy, but I recently took it out of the case for a show, and the screw on the guard closest to the lower horn ended up getting pulled out fully out of its hole, and the hole is now routed to the point where I cannot screw it back down. What do you recommend here? I don't think I should be putting in a bigger screw. That sounds like a bad no, idea. don't do that. I can fill the hole with some wooden toothpicks and tight bond. Is that a bad idea? Or maybe some other kind of wood filler? As for the warped pick guard, is that something I should consider replacing with a nice replica and leave the original one safely stored? And I just got my Melco strap yesterday. Thanks to Melissa. Hey, cool. And it doesn't say a name, but that's from Ken. And I know Ken's my buddy. He's right cool. on. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. Uh, yeah, so stripped out pick guard screws, it's a pretty simple thing. And, uh, yeah, you're, that's what I would do. Your suggestion was right on the money. Use some tight bond and either toothpicks or, you know, small wooden dowels. And then uh, get that flush with the surface, let it dry, and then you can put in the pickguard screw. That's the way to do it. And I would leave that pit guard on. I wouldn't take it off and put a replacement on there. He sent me some nice pictures. That's a beautiful guitar. I didn't even see the warp in the pit guard. It's a that's a handsome guitar. Very clean looking cool SG. Uh but anyway. Yeah. Just fill the hole with uh some wood glue and a dowel and uh then you can you can redo your pit guard screw. Real easy fix. Thanks, Ken. Hello, Eric and Mel. Question for Eric. What glue are the early Fender fretboards glued on with? Was it hide glue? What glue do you use for fretboards? P.S. It would be awesome if you put some Fret Files podcast shirts up for sale. Zach in Ohio. Thanks, Zach. We have all the stuff to, do, to make shirts. We just haven't done it yet. We're just nuts enough that if we, if we do... Ever get shirts, and we will eventually. 
It's they're going to be we're we'll we're going to make them. We're going to silk screen them. Yeah. We'll have done that. It'll be extra special. We silk screen stuff sometimes. Uh, what was his question? Oh, yeah, fretboards. So I assume, now, I don't know this for a fact. I wasn't there, but Fender, I'm sure, put on fretboards with hide glue. I'm sure they did, because that's that would have been the number one choice back then. I don't think tight bond or, you know, the PVC glue. Well, haven't you ever taken one off? Was uh, I mean, uh, off of a Fender? I don't think I ever have. I don't think I've ever had to. Oh. Okay. Um, I'm sure it's hide glue. That's what was available at the time. Uh, the more modern glues didn't come along till 20 years later. So, yeah, I'm sure it's hide glue. It has to be. It has to be hide glue. Yeah, it has to be hide glue. Um, what else did he say? What, what do you use? glue do I use? I've used everything. I've tried... Everything. I've done hide glue, I've done tight bond, I've done, you know, my buddy Mark Arnquist redoes uh, Rickenbackers, and uh-huh. he uses epoxy. Really? Yeah, which a lot of luthiers say is a big mistake, and they say, don't do that, you know? Yeah. But he swears by it. Huh. I've never tried it. I don't know, you know, like a two-part epoxy where you mix it together, right. and he's, he swears by it, but I'd have, I've never used it. I don't know. Your my your mileage may vary on that, but yeah, mostly I've used tight bond or hide glue, and uh, it just depends on the guitar. If I'm working on something that's a vintage guitar and it was glued on with hide glue to begin with, then I I want to use hide glue, um, you know, right, to keep it kind of in in keeping with the original. So yeah, cool. Thanks, Zach. Hi, Eric. I just purchased a Fender Custom Tele. It was shipped from Florida to Jackson, Wyoming, where I live. Unfortunately, the nitro lacquer cracked in some places with the temperature change during shipping. I was wondering if that's something you could fix. I can send pictures if needed. Thank you. Man, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, I know it sucks. I know you're bummed out about it. But lacquer checking is just going to happen, and it's either now or later... I'm sorry it happened in shipping. You know, it gets cold. I mean, shipping a guitar this time of year, that can happen on a on a brand new guitar that doesn't have any lacquer checking on it. Yeah. That's a good way to lacquer check a guitar. To, to ship it? Ship it to Jackson, Wyoming. Is that how you lacquer check your guitars? No, it's not. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry to say you, it's, you're going to have to live with that because the only way to fix it really is... Um, you know, you you can try to overspray it and melt the new lacquer with the old lacquer, but all you're doing is just prolonging the in- inevitable. It's going to lacquer check <laughs> eventually, and yeah. that doesn't really work anyway. And then, you, so you could refinish it, but then it's you know at that point, I mean, what are we doing here? Are we yeah. Refinishing the guitar, and if you're going to refinish it, that's expensive and crazy and time consuming and damages the value of the guitar and. You're going to refinish it in lacquer, which is just going to check, unless you want to finish it in poly. But why did you buy a nice lacquer-finished fender if you're going to refinish it in poly? Anyhow, my point is, you just have to live with it, man. Sorry. Embrace Embrace the beauty of lacquer checking. I think it personally, I love lacquer checking. 
I think it's beautiful. On Stumac's Instagram, they have this amazing picture of a really nice patinaed switch. Uh, what are they called? What's the little knob on a switch called? The switch knob. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it just just turned a nice dark like leathery brown amber and yeah. then yeah the the lacquer checking is like a just like a starburst around it it's mm. really cool yeah I think it's beautiful so you know embrace the beauty of the of the lacquer cracking hi Eric I often hear you talk about lear- learning to work on acoustic guitars by starting on vintage harmony guitars I was wondering if you could recommend a couple models that would be good. I see that there are a lot of them. Some of them are expensive and some are cheap. Do you like playing them once you get them good and set up? Also, what do you think of Vintage K electric guitars? Thanks, Tyler. I love Vintage Ks, electric and acoustic. They're very cool. They're very cool. The later ones, they had, um, you know, the earlier ones are made in America. Later, they, they do have overseas made ones where they were just you know they they farmed out the manufacturing to asia but the american made ones are great i think they're super cool man they're like one of my favorite guitars is that jimmy reed thin twin k what a killer guitar uh yeah so they made great guitars uh they're they're american made they're still affordable um and there are very cheap models they're very close. To, they're very similar to Harmony guitars. Harmony and K are so similar that sometimes if you get an unbranded one, it's hard to tell which is which because they're so similar. Uh, but yeah, those are good guitars to to start out with if you want to if you want to try a neck reset or something like that. But here's my recommendation: get a cheap one or get a broken one. Don't mess up the nice ones. One of my best resources for those is uh, that I would recommend is uh, shopgoodwill.com. At any given time, there's just a whole bunch of harmonies and Ks and vintage American-made, cheap, plentiful, and or broken, and or in need of a neck reset, you know, American guitars on there. Didn't somebody we know just order one off a of shop goodwill and then yeah, it came nap. and it looked like somebody yeah. put their foot through the back of well, it? Well, somebody did put their foot through the back of it, but that was a that's another story. So maybe ask them nicely to well, pack here's it nice. Well, the, here's the deal. Shop goodwill. It's goodwill, right? It's the thrift store goodwill. Right. Not exactly a guitar dealer. And uh, not exactly, they don't, they're not really professionals at shipping a guitar, so you kind of get what you pay for there, but you can get good deals. He bought a great K Archtop, beautiful K Archtop, for $300. But when it arrived, it was Unfortunately, destroyed. by the time it showed up at his house, it was destroyed. But he opened up a, a report and claim thing, whatever, on their, their website's kind of like, it works like eBay. Uh-huh. So he filed a claim there, and they processed it, and they refunded his money, and he gets to keep the broken guitar. So, oh. so we're well, gonna, that's pretty good. yeah, we're gonna fix it. But um, anyhow, the cheap and broken harmonies and K's, uh, those are a great place to start because they're usually they're solid wood, unless you get an archtop one. Those are usually uh, laminate, but like the the flat top acoustic guitars, they're solid wood, they're hide glue. They're constructed in basically the same way, you know, 
all the other vintage American guitars are, like like Gibson and Martin, pretty similar. So that's a good, that's a good place to start. And if you mess it up, we're only out a vintage Harmony, not a not a pre-war Martin. You know, right? Yeah. Thanks for the question. <clears throat> Hey, Eric and Melissa. Hope all is well. I'm back again with more questions. Eric, what's some great ways of minimizing 60-cycle hum in a telly other than copper tape? Have you ever done the notched mod to the sides of a telly bridge? Thanks. Jonathan in Victoria, Canada. Thanks, Jonathan. We're good to have uh, you. It's good to have you back. Yeah, man. Okay, for just a second, I thought those two questions were related. I was trying to figure out. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think I made it sound like they were, but I didn't mean to. Minimizing 60-cycle hum other than shielding, uh, there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, Single-coil pickups hum, and uh, shielding helps. If you've got two single-coil pickups and they're reverse-wound, reverse-polarity, they'll cancel hum, but we all know that. Uh, so really, I don't have any suggestions for you, unless you want to build yourself a giant Faraday cage and play inside that. That's a great idea. It is. You could get some go-go boots. You could maybe make it look like a, you know, like a real cool Faraday cage, but like for a cage dancer, like a Faraday cage dance, like, you know, like the cage dancer, like the go-go girls that, I, that dance in cages. I am clear on what you're Make it a Faraday saying. cage. I love this idea. Can we build I'm one just, in our basement, please? I'm just being silly. Please. You know, I've always wanted to ask somebody this question. Are you asking me? Yeah, but I'm asking everybody. Am I going to know the answer? Let's just assume for just a second that you could go back in time, but you could take with you like a Stratocaster and an amp. Okay. okay. Back before radio signals were being, you know, uh, before radio signals were a thing, before electricity, before neon lights, before anything, before radio towers, before cell phone signals. Okay. You could take it back to the time of the dinosaurs. Okay. And you can take a Fender Strat and an amp with you. And somehow you can, somehow you can power it. You have like a battery. Okay. So a battery, too. Is it going to hum less because there's not all this stray RF flying through the air? Well, there's still, you know, background radiation from the sun. What about the Big Bang? Also that. Not as much so, though. But background radiation is not RF, is it? I don't you're the, know. You're the physicist. I'm not the physicist. You're not? No. Oh, my God. I read a Michio Kaku book once. Does that make me a physicist? Well, I thought that that's what, I thought that that's exactly what made you a oh. physicist. Um, I would assume that you would still get some hum. Yeah. If it, it, That's fascinating. Because most of the hum, so like if I plugged in an amp in here, I would get hum because of this laptop and because of that neon light and because of the wires running through the house, the electrical, the what electricity. What neon light are you talking about? I, just pretend there's a neon light. Come on. Okay. My God. They don't, they don't have to know <laughs> that there's not a neon light in here. <laughs> um, I think that... But anyway, my point is, if all of that, if you could get rid of all of that, no cell phone towers, no neon lights, no... 
anything, yep. would it still hum? I like, think, where is the hum really coming from? I think that you're missing the whole point. If you could travel back in time, this is the very last thing that anybody would care about. I almost I know that. I almost used an obscene word. First of all, to describe this. First of all, if you could do it, then you've invented time travel. Now that alone <laughs> is worth figuring this out. But wouldn't you want to go back in time I'm to so see sorry. what killed the dinosaurs Please. or, you know, if Jesus was real or whatever? Well, I thought Jesus killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> Isn't that, that get, that's common knowledge. We're getting into murky waters here. That's common knowledge. Uh, let's take a break. This is getting ridiculous. Hi, Liz here from Emerald City Guitars, located in the heart of historic Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle, Washington. We are one of the world's premier vintage guitar shops going strong for over 22 years. Specializing in the most rare, the funkiest, and most collectible vintage and pre-owned electric guitars, acoustic guitars, amplifiers, and more. We cater to anyone and everyone from the guy next door to collectors and famous rock stars. Not only do we pay top dollar for used gear, we also offer trade-ins and consignment. We also have in-house repair and offer free appraisals. We have a variety of social media accounts that we post our goods daily. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at EC Guitars. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and see our daily episodes of the featured guitar pick of the day and reality of Emerald City Guitars shows. Give us a call to chat in person at 206-382-0231 and visit our online store at www.emeraldcityguitars.com. Hey guys, it's Eric. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that I've been repairing guitars for a long time. Building guitars, too. Uh, if you've got a guitar that you need help with, I really, I would love to help you. I take repairs from all over the country. Sometimes a guitar is really special and, and you really are careful about who you take it to. If you don't have a person that you can really rely on in your area, I would love to help you out. It's really easy to ship a guitar these days. I do it all the time. It's nothing to worry about. You can insure it. Uh, ship it to me. Maybe you've got a repair that needs to be done. Maybe you've got a, a pickup that needs to be rewound. Get in touch with me and uh, we can talk about it. You can send me some pictures of it. We can see what I can do for you. Maybe I can give you a quote on how much it would be to repair your guitar if you send me some pictures. So let me know. I would love to help you. This is what I do. This is what I specialize in. I repair guitars. I kind of specialize in, in vintage Fender restorations, but I do all kinds of work. Finishes and pickups and electronics and neck resets, broken headstocks, you name it. I would love to help you. So get a hold of me. You can do so through my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. And I look forward to helping you. Thank you. As you may already know, I make custom leather guitar straps. I hand make each strap from start to finish. I start with a hide of some of the finest vegetable tan leather on the market. Each hide is chosen for exceptional quality, color, and grain. If you haven't been to my website lately, you need to check it out. I've got a bunch of new strap designs and colors listed with more on the way. 
If you don't see the perfect strap, contact me with your custom order idea. Visit malcoleather.com to seek examples of custom orders I've done in the past. If you're a dealer, I offer competitive wholesale pricing. Email malcoleather at gmail.com for details. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Etsy. If you're listening to this, you get 15% off when you enter code FRETFILES at checkout at melcoleather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O leather.com. Do you uh, want to finish answering the last question? Because we never actually answered the... Sure I did. There's nothing about the 60-cycle hum you can do other than... A time machine. Okay. I, th- I feel like that was perfectly clear. <laughs> have you ever done the notched mod to the sides of a telly bridge? That was oh, the second yeah, question. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know how the telly bridge ha- has like a back and sides to it, like it's a little tray? Yes. Some people like to file off of those sides back to the pickup so that because it gets in the way or something. It doesn't get in my way, so I've never done it on my guitars, but... I have done it on customers' guitars when they've asked. And? And, uh, you know, it's it's cool. But I don't, what, I don't see the point of doing well, it. Well, it, some people feel like it's in your way. Oh. Like somehow it's... It's just in your way. Yeah. If you're not used to Telecasters, I guess, it would feel like it was in your way. Or if you're a finger picker that rests your hand there or something. Mm. Yeah, so I have done it. Uh, you know, you use a grinder and grind it off. And then um, you can usually polish it. To where it's, you know, looks okay. Cool. But short of replating it, it's never going to look perfect. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. I love the podcast. I am planning to refret a, a Fender guitar and was hoping you had some suggestions as to dealing with the fret ends on a finished neck. I have done fret jobs on new builds and guitars I was refinishing, but I have never had to deal with a finished neck. How do I file the frets without damaging the finish? If it matters, it is an American standard with rosewood fingerboard that, and that thin matte, possibly poly finish that most American standard guitars have. Any suggestions you, ha- you have would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Phil from Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks, Phil. Uh, it's, really not, it's really not any more difficult than working with an unfinished neck. Uh, you just have to be careful not to go too deep, but... Yeah, you just want, um, you know, what I usually do is is run some masking tape just right up to the edge of where the frets, where the bottoms of the frets are, you know, where the bottom of the tang is, and then use a file and file off the, uh, file off the metal that's sticking out. Mm-hmm. And the file, once it, once you hit the finish, you'll just feel it. You'll, you'll just feel that the metal's gone and now you're gliding across the finish and then you can take some very fine sandpaper and sand that out. On a gloss finish, you'll want to then go and, and buff it or take some polish and hand polish it out. Uh, with a matte finish, you can finish it off with very fine sandpaper or um, uh, steel wool. Or I don't like steel wool. Usually I use uh, Scotch-Brite. Yeah. Yeah. Like the green yeah. scrubby things? Yeah, the green ones. You know, the colors are uh, in- indicative of the grit or the, like, there's me- no. medium fine and coarse and 
Are you making fun Are of me? Are you serious? Yeah, so I like the gray one. White is fine, gray is medium, and red is coarser, and green is super coarse, I think. Wow. Something like that. When I was a kid, we used to call them green scrubby dealies. Yeah. Th- that's also the, the what they're called. Okay. Thanks for the question. Eric, I recently crossed paths with your podcast after catching a write-up in the Spokesman Review. I've started back at the beginning, and I'm slowly binge-listening my way towards your current episodes. Wonderful stuff. Keep up the good work. If you, if you start at the beginning, let me just say I'm sorry. Yeah. Some of those early podcasts they're are... Just... They're painful. Yeah, especially the ones before I got here. I know. Several years ago, I got so furious watching video gamers looking silly punching plastic rock band guitar hero buttons (laughs) on plastic (laughs) guitars that I took some direct action and up and bought an actual cheap guitar 30 years too late and started strumming real chords really, really, really poorly. Cool. It's been fun despite not not making much progress. Has any, has anyone ever asked you to take all your expertise and experience with vintage guitars and recreate your version of Buddy Holly's guitar to the best of your ability? They have now. A pinup guitar edition of his Strat, so mm. to speak. That's a good idea. It is. Currently, I'm quite a few nickels and dimes away from making a crackpot request like that. Not to mention I can't play worth a beep. But ballparking it, what would your general price point be, simply giving me a number to save towards, if you were to recreate a Buddy Holly Strat? Welcome back to Idaho. I am in eastern Washington now, but I grew up in Coeur d'Alene. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Mark. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate your uh, get-off-my-lawn kind of attitude towards the video gamers. Yeah. He seems pretty curmudgeonly. uh, Well, he's like me. Right. Get off my lawn. You're a curmudgeon. I know. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad you're playing. Uh, absolutely, I'd make you a Buddy Holly-style uh, pin-up custom guitar, and uh, it would be $22.95. There's, you know, and there's nothing super spectacularly different about Buddy Holly's. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty standard, um, for its era, you know, sunburst. Strat. Beautiful guitar. Yeah, I'd love to do that, though. That would be fun, you know, get some pictures and really try to really try to make it a really, really good replica. That'd be fun. Cool. Yeah, yeah that would be, be awesome. Yeah, it would be very fun. Thanks, Mark. Eric, thanks for the great podcast stream. It makes my daily commute fly by at least once every fortnight. That's two weeks in American. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On this week's podcast, you dealt with a question relating to a roller brig roller bridge bigsby that would not intonate the linked video may help or not it seems very it seems like a very clever idea for a tunematic bridge keep up the good work mark in ireland which is nowhere near australia yeah says. mark we have a lot of uh, listeners in ireland do we yeah not they write in mark. they tell me i'm from ireland is that what they tell you yeah uh mark I watched the video that you sent, and I think I've seen it before. Either that, or I read it in Dan Erlewine's book. But it's a it's a Stumac video with Dan Erlewine, and he's what he's got are posts for a tunematic bridge, where 
there's two posts. There's one coming out of the top, uh-huh. and then one coming out of the bottom that goes in the guitar. The one coming out of the bottom is not centered. It's off to the side of the thumb wheel. Okay. And so you can position the bridge back oh. and not have to move the posts. So he's got these custom-made um, inserts that they they offset the bridge for you. Okay. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And the video told you how you could make one yourself. I'm not super crazy about this idea. I think it's I think it's brilliant, and I think it's worth doing. Um, I. What he says in the video, what Dan Erlewine, and Dan Erlewine is a guy I respect very highly. Um, what Dan said was, you don't necessarily always want to fill and redrill the holes when you have to move it because, when you have to move your tunematic on a vintage Gibson because they're valuable. Right. Vintage Gibson's very valuable. But my thought is, what good is a valuable guitar if it doesn't tune? Right. And I would rather have a very solid connection. If you watch the video, you look at it, the posts are, because because the downward pressure is off-center, uh-huh. it kind of looks wobbly and not super good. You know what I mean? Right. Um, well, and it already has a Bigsby, so it already has holes in it, right? Is that... Well, I, mean, I don't know I... if it... I don't know if it had a stock... I don't, well, we're not talking about the guitar of this particular question. I'm just talking in general. Right. Moving a bridge. It doesn't really bother me to move a bridge just a tiny bit on a Gibson for a couple reasons. One of the reasons being that when you move it, you just move it a tiny bit, and you won't see the old filled touched up holes because they're under the thumb wheels. Right. Plus, again, what good is a vintage awesome $30,000 Gibson if it doesn't tune? Right. So to me it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me if I were in the market for an expensive vintage Gibson and I knew that the bridge had been moved and it had been done professionally and it had been done because it had to be done be- because it wouldn't tune, it wouldn't bother me. Hmm. But I get Dan's point. Maybe he's right. Maybe it's not good to fill those holes and redrill them. I don't know, but there's there's always more than one way to look at things, right? You know. So, uh, where would you find this this uh, clever thing that? Oh, I'll put a link to the video in the show notes. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Cool. It's just one of those. Stu- Stuart McDonald has great videos that they, if you subscribe to their videos, they send you a new one every week or every two weeks or something. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Greetings, Mel and Eric. I am itching to get a notched straight edge for guitar work. My question is, do I have to buy the expensive Stumac version or will a cheaper knockoff do the trick? Cheers, Corey. Thanks, Corey. I would say um, it depends. You know, are you are you a are you a pro guitar tech that's going to be using this? Every day. <laughs> uh, really, my answer is, I, you know, the, a cheap one works, man. I mean, I've, I have one, and it didn't come from Stumac. So. What? I know. 
look, I love Stuart McDonald. I do. Some of the stuff they have, you just can't get it anywhere else, and they have really good product. But some of their stuff is quite expensive. Yeah. When you look at alternatives. Anyhow. Eric and Mel, I love the I love you guys. <laughs> Your podcast has quickly become one of my favorites. I'm keen to order a custom T-style guitar from you guys, and I'd love er- I'd love it, Eric, if you'd take some time on the podcast to walk through the options you provide. Mm. For each, I suggest you describe the type of player or musical style that each selection applies to. In particular, I'm thinking of body material, neck wood, neck radius, fret type, pickup choices, relicking, etc. I'm most keen to hear about pickup choices and fret choices and how and why they might appeal to one style of player. Styles could include jazz, traditional blues, blues rock, classic rock, etc. Maybe you even relate to a sound to a maybe you even relate a sound to a particular player. I don't know, I will leave it with you. Thanks, Scott in Calgary, Canada. Thank you, Scott. I'm flattered that you uh that you're keen to order a custom guitar from me. Um, it's a difficult question, and I'll tell you why. A lot of these choices really come down to personal preference and not music style. Neck shape, body wood, fret size. You could play... Um, any really any type of music on any number of of these options but it comes down to personal preference you know what you're comfortable with how you know how you hold a guitar how you strum a guitar how your fingers press down on the strings some people love big frets some people like small frets um so a lot of it is personal preference however there are kind of some generalities i could talk to you about uh, pickup choices, overwound or underwound. Uh, you know, the overwound pickups are good for driving a tube amp into distortion more. There's always a trade off with an overwound pickup. You do lose a little bit of high end and a little bit of that sparkle. Um, underwound pickups, you got plenty of sparkle and plenty of chime, but sometimes they're lacking a little bit in that mid-range and that growl. So, you know, the normal wind is kind of, I mean, that's really, you know, kind of the sweet spot. That's why it, that's why it's the normal wind. Uh, fret, fret size, if you do a lot of bending, most players who do a lot of bending prefer a slightly larger fret, but not all. I do a lot of bending, and, and I prefer the vintage-style frets, so go figure. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. It's really about personal preference. And so what I would recommend for you to do, Scott, would be to play a whole bunch of different guitars and really figure out what you like, what's comfortable to you, what radius of fingerboard you like, what fret size you like whether you like real hot pickups or underwound pickups. Um, and I know that that's a difficult... It's probably not the answer you wanted to hear, but it's it's the answer that I have for you. So there, there you have it. 
Thanks, Scott. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I love the podcast and listen to it whenever I can in the car between work and picking up my kid from school. You two have a great thing going and keep it up. You bring a little slice of joy to an otherwise humdrum part of the day. Good. I appreciate the time and effort it must take to pull off the show twice a month. I'm saving up to buy a Melco custom strap one of these days. Rock on, Peter from Portland, Maine. Right on, Peter. Cool. Dude, thank you so much. And I just want to, th- Peter, thank you so much. And I want to thank all of you who listen, all of you who participate. This is really, it's really kind of a special thing we got here. And we really do, we really do appreciate it. I, I love hearing from listeners. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram. Find me on wherever. Send me an email. Yeah. I, I like lis- I like hearing from listeners. It's great. We've got, you know, I had kind of a dream way back when I started this podcast that, that, that this would build into a... Uh, Kind of a community. I prefer to think of it as a guitar empire. Well, there's that part of it, too. But no, it's totally kind of a community of people who... I've met people through this podcast, you know, most of them not in person, but um, there's a lot of people I talk to online all the time that I just know because of this podcast, and uh, it's great. I I love it. You know, like-minded people. And we learn from each other, and uh, yeah, it's a cool thing. Yeah. So if you like the show, tell a friend, share it on Facebook or whatever. Tell your mom. Tell my mom. Tell my mom to listen. Tell tell Melissa's mom. She's in the phone book. Look her up. I'm just kidding. Don't look up Melissa's mom. I'm kidding. I don't know what I'm talking about. My mom already listens. Does she? Occasionally. God, Rita, I'm sorry that I said that. Uh, yeah, tell a friend, tell your guitar playing friends, go tell your local guitar shop, you know, spread the word about the podcast, because the bigger this podcast gets, the better it will get. Give us a good rating on iTunes, all that jazz, and uh, don't forget to participate in the show. You can do that by going to my website, ericdaw.com, E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com, click the contact link. And we will use your question or comment as part of the show. The other way to do it is, of course, is to call or text 757-774-8482. 757-774-8482. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thank you. Good night. You always have to have the last word, don't you? Yeah.